This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, Ellis Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin' or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home, and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello and welcome to The Lobe Strangers, a Swindon Town fan podcast with me, Rich Pullen. Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside. Beautiful play! That is that! What a good shot! I don't think I'll ever get tired of that theme tune. The wonderful work of Matthew Kilford, everybody. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Love Strangers podcast. Thanks, as always, for listening. Please feel free to spread the word by telling anyone with a leaning towards Swindon Town that you might know about the podcast. And if you can kindly give positive ratings and reviews wherever you can, it would be much, much appreciated. My guest for this episode is Fraser Digby. Fraser is arguably the greatest goalkeeper to have played for the club, and only John Trollope and Morris Owen can boast more appearances for Swindon than Fraser. His town career began in 1986 and came to an end in 1998. 505 appearances, a record-breaking 145 clean sheets, 12 full seasons, 5 England under-21 caps, 5 managers, 4 promotions, 3 Player of the Year awards, 3 divisions, 2 Wembley wins, 2 relegations, 1 demotion, 1 washbag, 1 Fraser Digby. My thanks to Fraser for taking part and my thanks to you guys for listening. It's always tremendously appreciated and I hope you know that. So it's time to sound the hooter for episode 20 of The Low Strangers. Enjoy. speed because you are a schoolboy um, or you signed terms with Manchester United under Ron Atkinson uh, what was that education yeah. like? I mean it, it, was, it was a great place to be you know Ron was a character at the best of times my youth team manager was a bloke called Eric Harrison who you know most people know has been the coach to the the, the class of 92 your, your Beckhams your Skulls your Nevilles so I had I had a great upbringing um, someone like him was fantastic you know they they, they they taught you how to how the game should be played and, and, and the respect. You know, you had a lot of respect for, for Eric and, and the rest of the team around him. And who were your contemporaries at Old Trafford? I think Gary Walsh must have been your goalkeeping partner, yeah? Yeah, well, she was a year younger than me. So when I was... Um, so I had two years uh, apprentice and I had two-year pro. And the second-year pro, Walsh had just come through on the youth team and done really well with the youth team. So... 
me and him were, were were battling out to try and get into the reserves. And who else was who else was at Manchester United at the same time? Gary Bailey had, had, had left. He he'd retired because of his knee. There was Chris. There's basically Chris Turner. Jeff Whelan's was still there, probably on his way out. So there was there was four of us really: Chris Turner, Jeff Walsh, and myself. Really, you enjoyed a decent England youth career, playing about 15 games across the under 16s all the way to under 21s when you were at Swindon. Even though you don't get yeah. a full cap. As a goalkeeper, you must be tremendously proud that you managed to get as many caps as you did. Oh no, it was it was fantastic because you know to 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 represent your country at any level. You know, England schoolboys at, at the age of fifteen was was a great start when I was at United, and then when I came to, and then I played. Uh, you know, under sixteens became third in the European Championships when uh, Tim Flowers was was my goalkeeping partner then, and then up to under eighteens, I, I had several trips to to Cannes and Toulon. For the for the tournament there, um, and then you know I had my first under twenty one caps. Funny enough, at Bramall Lane against Turkey. So it was it was yeah it was it's fantastic to to you know to to have the opportunity to play for your country. You play alongside some pretty big names: Teddy Sheringham, Tony Adams, uh, and Swindon links uh, Neil McDonald at time recording as assistant manager at Swindon, and of course David Kerslake as well, and also one Paul Gascoigne. Yeah, yeah no, Gazza was uh, we we. we <laughs> It was a great trip. There was him and uh, Steve Sedgley, two of the biggest characters you're ever likely to meet in football. Absolutely hilarious. And I can't go into too much that went on on that trip, but it was um, it was very entertaining. They kept us entertained the whole trip. But Gazza, Gazza, it's sad to see him as he is now, but Gazza is one of the nicest lads you could ever wish to meet in your life. You know, it, it's so sad that he's struggling with what you know with with the depression and the alcoholism and that, that he is doing. But honestly, he, you know, I had the pleasure of, of playing for England with him and uh, he was one of the nicest men you could ever wish to meet and uh, still is really. And had all the hallmarks of someone who was going to become a world-class footballer? Oh, tremendous, tremendous. You know, he, he, you could see he'd got the ability at that, that sort of age and he was always going to be, a, a, you know, a top, top player and, uh, you know, he certainly proved that. had made the run ahead of him. This is White. Lost the marking. Now Mott. And what joy he will take for that goal. Kari initially brought you in on loan at Swindon during the final games of our record-breaking Division 4 Championship in 86. Did you think that this was going to be like a brief work experience or did you leave thinking that you would be back at Swindon? No, I didn't I didn't really know because obviously I think Lou was just sussing me out at the time to see whether I got the right character, but he knew what I was like anyway. Um, you know, bringing me, you know, being brought up at United, he knows, you know, how, how lads are brought up uh, and how they've they, they, they got to behave and, and what they're like as players, you know, because you've got to be no mug being at, being at Man United. Um, so I think Lou knew that, but I think he wanted to find out a little bit for himself. And that's why he brought me down. And um, initially I had that month down here and uh, stayed with. Um, the old um, Jimmy, what's I've forgotten his name now, but I mean terrible, isn't it? The old goalkeeper, you know, one that's six foot four, and um, oh, what's his name? Alan. Al, um, Kenny yeah, Allen, yeah, Kenny Allen. Stay with Kenny Allen, his wife, and uh, at the, they had the they had the um, digs on um, Shrivenham Road, and I came and stayed with him, which was hilarious. No, it was, it was great. It, it was great. It was, it was great experience for a month, but I wasn't sure where it was going to lead to, to be honest. Well, it becomes permanent the following season. You witness a lot of change at the club, it's safe to say. Um, what was Swindon Town, the football club, like when you first joined? I mean, I mean, the thing was, I mean, if you look at, you know, when, when I, I've come from somewhere like Old Trafford and come to, to the county ground, you know, it was, a, it was a lot smaller, you know, it was a lot smaller place, but it was a family, it was, it was a family club, you know. Lou was, you know, very much, Lou was a very funny character, you know. He was, he was, um, he wanted to know about your family and what your background was and and he, he kind of did put his arm around my shoulder a little bit and, and you know, wanted to me, see me do well and, and um, coming to, to Swindon, you know, we were having crowds of 10, 11,000 in the, you know, obviously got the promotion to the third division, although we didn't start off great that year and I came, I think we were, you know, eight from bottom or something like that. We played eight games, but it was it, it was there was a good squad of players. You know, you got I was I hooked up with Chris Ramsey. You know, you got Chris Kamara, Peter Coyne, Jimmy Quinn, Dave Bamber. You know, all these lads, uh, Dave Ockaday. 
there were some real good, you know, some real good lads and good people, local people like um, Charlie Henry, all those sort of lads. You know, it was a real good team spirit. Yeah. Were some of your favourite memories with that squad as opposed to like the the glory squads of the early nineties? I think that was. I think. That era then was was what really was the catalyst to to start the club on it on its, you know, march yeah. up the leagues. Really, um, you know, they were the ones that got the record number of points in the fourth division. All right, we didn't play the most attractive way, but but we were efficient. You know, it, we we worked hard, we trained hard. You know, Lou had a, a certain way of dealing with it. You know, I didn't do a lot of goalkeeper coaching, but I did a hell of a lot of running. I was fit as anything. Um, but he said, well, you've got the ability to be a goalkeeper. You just make sure you're fit. Which I did, you know. Um, but but those players, those players of that time, you know, you, you, you Colin Calderwoods and and you know those sort of players. There was a real good, you know, Alan McLaughlin had come down from Man United as well the year before, and you know we had the nucleus of, of some good lads coming through, you know. And I think it was only when 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 Lou left, Ozzy came in. All Ozzy did was, was was change the way we thought, the way that a lot of players gave some players that extra bit of confidence to to play a different way which we'd never dreamed we'd play that way you know under Lou really. Was there goalkeeper coaches in the 80s or were you just looked after as a, as a general squad? Uh, you were just looked after a general squad really and truthfully and then they started to come a little bit more later on. I worked with the likes of I mean when I went back on loan to Old Trafford uh, I worked with Alan Hodgkinson who's, who's a former Sheffield United mm-hmm. keeper lovely fella he worked with Peter Smeichel uh, obviously, he worked with the Scottish national squad, and he's, you know, he was very well thought of. I worked with Mick Kelly at, at England, who was well thought of. Later worked at Fulham, and then, and then also in my swimming career, when when we were in the Premiership, um, we had um, the lad England player that was at Chelsea. I've forgotten his name now. Cat Benetti. Oh, yeah, wow. Pete Benetti. So uh, John Gorman brought Pete Benetti in. Um, I also work with a lad who's working under Ray Clements at the FA, Tomo. Thomas, Martin Thomas, uh, um, Martin Thomas. Martin Thomas, yeah. So I work with him. See, my memory's gone. I've been working too hard this morning. <laughs> so I work with Tomo, who's a really lovely fella. So the further on in, in, in the Swindon history, then we started to, you know, get goalkeeper coaches in. And then finally, John Johnny Granville. We worked with him a lot under Glenn. And it was, um, yeah, it was, um, like you say, when I first took over with Lou... We didn't have a goalkeeper coach. Didn't bother. He didn't. He didn't think one. And even when I finished my career and went to uh, Huddersfield, when Lou and Joe Jordan were there, we never had a goalkeeper coach then either. Mm. He just used to do the same old thing. It was hilarious. <laughs> he got me back fit again and back playing again. So you know he had his way of doing it, and uh, it certainly done well for me in the end. Well, you make your senior debut for Swindon and generally in the two-nil uh, win over Rotherham. Uh, but the following month, you, we played Southampton. Um, who fielded one of the greatest goalkeepers in football history that day, Peter Shilton? We'll yeah, to... no, it was it was it was great experience to be able to to go on the same pitch as someone like Peter and to w- watch him closely. It was funny though because my 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 idol growing up was more Ray Clemens because Ray Ray used to kick with his left foot and throw with his right arm, and that's what I you know that that was my trait, and and I'd like to think I was more like Ray as a goalkeeper because he was more like natural whereas Peter worked incredibly hard did whatever it took for him to become one of the world's best keepers but for me Ray was more the natural goalkeeper and the way that he played and the way that he he worked was more how I felt that I was going to be so it was great to be able to you know see Peter up close and to work with him because then the day he was one of the world's best I don't expect anyone to remember every ball and ever saved any kick etc so um, in that first season it, it's fantastic town reached the playoffs um, but it would be remiss of me to leave out the 1-1 draw at Bristol City on the final day of the season which denied them any hopes of going up shame that but I must say they really <laughs> they really did shoot themselves in the foot that day no is that, do you know what I cannot I cannot remember they, that they missed obviously. the penalty in the yeah did they oh what a shit <laughs> I should remember that really, should I? Listen to me. No, I, I, do you know what? I can't. Even, I cannot remember that at all. I think that's dreadful. I, I think it? even Bamba might have uh, got a wallop by a fan at the end of the game, but um, I might be wrong there. Um, those were the days, I guess. Oh no, definitely. If I'd have known, I'd, I'd have had a pop at my. Um, I've got a supplier that comes in who's a big Bristol City fan, <laughs> so we have a lot of banter when he comes in. He came in today, so I've hammered him down on price. <laughs> 
because obviously he's a Bristol City fan. So no, I got no great with him to be fair. But but yeah, if I'd have known, if I'd have remembered that, I could have batted him with that as well. <laughs> didn't, didn't realise that he kept quiet. That's on my that gift one. to you. Swindon play Ginningham yeah. in the final, uh, a relationship which is already feisty. Do you remember anything yeah. of those games? I mean, the, the 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 big thing with those games, we'd gone. I thought we were unfortunate at Gillingham because we, we lost 1-0, yeah. didn't we? I think it was a free kick they got. But I think we were unfortunate that day. thought we'd done okay and we deserved more than that. And then obviously we went another 1-0 down at home and then we come back to to one all. and then Charlie Henry hit the best goal he'll ever score ever in his life. Um, and, and that's the thing I can always remember. You know, he got hold of the ball and absolutely walloped it. And, and I think that was the, the thing that that got us that you know that got us to uh, replay. Then really, wasn't it? We've never been you know they, they got rid of those, didn't they? We all went to Wembley, but um, you know this time we go to uh, what was going to be my one of my clubs, really, Crystal Palace. In your first season, you keep something like twenty four clean sheets. In your first season as a, as a senior, you're telling me more about my life than I know about. That's myself. my job. I don't know. It's, it's it's kind of I don't. You don't look back at it. You don't. You know. You think about it. Obviously, there's, there's so much gone on in twelve years at Swindon. You know, and and you know, I've, I was fortunate. I've had a you know a really great career, and I've enjoyed every minute of it. But it's now that you you sort of like you start to look back on on on, on things, and you think, well, cool, that ain't a bad turnaround, is it? Really, how many people have actually kept twenty four clean sheets in a whole season? You know, it'd be interesting to find out how how often that's happened because it's just you know when you say it now, you think, cool, that ain't bad for a first season. How many games did we play in the season? I would probably play 54. Not too bad at all. So it's a 50% strike rate almost. So um, yeah, you've got to be happy with that. I mean, that's fantastic to be fair. (laughs) And one I've got to be obviously immensely proud if I can remember. (laughs) Well, it's only one way you can get fit is to run. And uh, most days we go out here and we run to start with and then, uh, then we play with the ball. Um, in your se- in your second season, Nicky Hammond arrived. He's your sparring partner for eight of yes. your twelve seasons. What was your relationship like with Nick? Oh, we had a great relationship. Nick's actually godfather to my mm. eldest boy. We got on incredibly well, and he's such a he's a top top bloke. And he's gone on to 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 forge himself out a fantastic career in football. Uh, I know he's on a bit of a break at the moment. I bumped into him last year, and he said, "Oh, I'm I'm going." He said, "I'm I'm taking a bit of a break." Uh, but he's done tremendously well. But he always says to me, he said, Fraser, he said, I had to do something. He said, because I sort of stuck behind you for eight years. He said, I'm not going to play very often. And I went, fair play, Nick, but you've done bloody well for yourself now. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. 87-88 for Swindon was a consolidation season, but most importantly, it was our first season in the second tier since 1974. The sheer thought that town could go to Main Road and get a point when you consider where Swindon were five years before that, is losing to Darlington in front of a thousand people. Did did you feel yeah. that you were making history within the town at that stage? Do you think that we were onto a good thing? No, not really. I think I think we, we, we you know we had a great as I say we had a great team spirit and we just enjoyed playing football. You know that that was the thing. We didn't think about yeah we might be making history. I don't think you think about that at the time. You you know all, all you're worried about is you know your next performance, your next game, and you know you go to somewhere like Main Road and you, you, you play City. I mean, I've, I've played Main Road quite a few times growing up because obviously at United we used to play City all the time. So I'd been at Main Road quite a few times. So to go back there uh, and play in the first team was was, was, a, was a tremendous honour and to get, you know, almost get one over them and was even better. But although we've had a few, we've had a few not quite so good <laughs> results at Main Road. But uh, on that occasion, it was probably a good one, you know? Absolutely. On the final day that season, Aston Villa won the promotion at the county ground just about the Villa fans were hardly at their best behaviour that day now this is a general question in the 80s where things like coin throwing were almost the norm and there's you as a goalkeeper yeah. just what were your yeah. experiences of the ill behaviour of, uh, of fans back in the 80s do you know what I, I mean I, it was quite funny I mean yeah we, the worst thing I had thrown at my head unfortunately it missed me was a was a size D battery <laughs> And that was at Ayrson Park. We played Middlesbrough. And I can remember that one. And then other times is, is the amount of coins that were, were on the pitch. You know, I, I was going to walk around with me, me, me glove bag and pick them all up. And, you know, if I'd have done that, I'd have probably been a damn sight better off than yeah. now. But I don't know. You, you kind of... The, the worst the worst abuse I ever got, or I can remember... There's, there's two. There's a funny one and then not so funny one. We were playing... I think I was playing... We were playing Chester. So it must have been in the that must have been around my, my first year or something like that or I can't remember what it was but it was some little kid some little scout kid I mean it was McMahon when he was a lot younger 
but I just got the unbelievable mouthful of this young kid who couldn't have been more than about eight or nine. And I'm going, really? I said, Do you, does your mother know you've come out for the day? And you know what I mean? But it's probably his father was next to him and, and he was probably drunk as a skunk, so it probably didn't make a difference, mm. you know? But that, that's the bit that I didn't like. And then, and then the worst one is they always used to show the, the film. I don't know if you actually had the displeasure of seeing it, but there's a film called Digby the Biggest Dog in the World. I used, to, I used to go mad every time they used to show I thought, oh, here we go. And then where we're playing, you just happen to be playing near to where I come from, yeah. you know? But you used to believable abuse. And you, when you get a whole sort of like stand giving you abuse like that, you're going, you just got to take it, to be fair. And it is, it was funny. I mean, I, most of the time was good humoured. You know, you did get one time playing away at Millwall when you get the old dead, you know, that was a bit, that was a bit vicious, but, um, you know, they, fortunately they were in, they were in cages that day, so it wasn't bad, but yeah, it was, um, certain days, you, you know, you think, cool, oh, I'm not sure about this, and other days it, it was lighthearted, you know, so you just took it as part, part of the game at the time. It beat Oxford 3-0 at home in 88-89. General question, what were, you, what were your memories of playing against Oxford? We used to beat them most of the time, <laughs> which was great. I mean, I always remember my first game back after I'd, I'd, I'd been on loan at, at United, 92-93, and my first game back was, was Oxford away. So I'd just come back, Glenn had called me back from Man United, and uh, yeah, we were playing Oxford away, and I think we, ended, we beat them 1-2-1, or, or and the amount of abuse... I got from their fans behind the goal was was phenomenal. But but yeah, we we beat them that day, and I just waved at them, smiled at them, and waved at them. But yeah, we used to have a few tasty clashes with Oxford, but it was great because I think old um, Crosby, Malcolm Crosby, was was either as either as assistant or his manager at Oxford when we played him. So it was quite nice when when he obviously came back to Swindon with Andy King to relive some of their moments. You know. And what about the other uh, local? games though Rovers, Reading and Bristol City did you enjoy those yeah. as well? Yeah I didn't enjoy playing at Blooming Twerton Park against Bristol I always remember me and Colin getting mixed up with the old back pass rule at Twerton Park <laughs> and uh, Rovers had a, had a free kick about three yards out it was ridiculous but good old refereeing at the time but Twerton Park wasn't the best of places to go to and uh, and obviously when we played Reading we played at um, Elm Park which was just as bad as Twerton Park and you know it was it was, uh, it was was there were some real rough and tumble games you, you had to have something about you in those days you know it was different you didn't get the protection you get the you know nowadays you know I also remember one of the games we played you know uh, and I can't remember who was playing for Rovers at the time they had, had a couple of big lads I think Devon White was mm-hmm. one when he played up front yep. you know you used to get hit you used to get hit on a regular basis, but it, it, it taught you. It taught you think to you know one or two things about yourself. You had to you know do what was uh, you know you had to grow up quite quickly. Crystal Palace in the playoffs, uh, despite you keeping a clean sheet in the first leg, you weren't able to uh, keep the right and bright combination away. A hell of a strike force for the second tier. Oh, they, I mean they, they were right and brighty. I mean, I'd, right, I've had many a tussle against him, but them two together. They were always in your ear, you know, coming corners and stuff like that. Fraser, you're going to drop this. You're going to drop this. You're useless. You're going to... And they were always in your ear. But what a fantastic pairing they were, you know. They were great footballers and, uh, you know, we've we, we, we done well against them. You know, we, we, we did battle well against them, you know. What were your feelings when Lou Macari left for West Ham at the end of that season? You kind of like, you were disappointed because obviously, you know, he's going on to, a, you know, a West Ham was a, was, a, was a big club. We couldn't financially with West Ham and it was quite funny because I used to enjoy playing against West Ham you know I used to enjoy going to their ground and you know it was close and it was tight but they they were they were fair their crowd was always they they were a fair set of people you know when when you'd done well they they applauded you and when you made a mistake they took the mickey but I always had a good rapport with with their fans and and I tended to have probably some of my best games against West Ham as well so yeah it was always a, a team I enjoyed playing against so I was a bit you know, I'm gutted he'd gone there, but um, it was one of those. And then, as, as soon as you see who who they've replaced him with, it was uh, cool. This could be interesting. Yeah, can you recall the moment that you found out that Swindon Town had appointed a World Cup winner as the next manager in Aussie Adidas? I, I I can't I can't mm. to be honest. It was uh, it, it was yeah. It, it's funny. I, I mean, I can't remember the time. You know that that you know we're talking quite course, a few years yeah. ago now. <laughs> it's something that yeah no I, d- I don't remember that that moment when when we heard Ozzy was well, coming how did, in. How did our dealers differ from Macari? He was he changed he completely changed the mentality of, of, of the players. You know when when we with Lou everything was very direct. You know we get the ball it was always fitness and 
you know, we, 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 we overran teams. You know, the last 10, 15 minutes of games, we used to overrun people left, right and centre, you know, and and turn losing situations into winning games, you know, and that was our forte under Luke. And it, it was very, very effective. But then Ozzy came and, and totally changed the philosophy. You know, he's saying, you know, I believe in you. You've got the ability. I want you to play. You know, we used to, you know, on a Friday, used to be circles. He used to, you know, two in the middle and you keep the ball away from them too. And it was a play, 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 play. That was Ozzy's, you know, favourite saying. It was like that the whole time. And and there's a lot of players changed their they had to change a hell of a lot to that way of thinking but I tell you what it certainly did well for the team with the players that he brought in as well and uh, you know he moulded a great team together it, we'd already got the fitness and the the, the team spirit and, and Aussie just added to that really whipping in the crosses from the left and the right hand side here's McLaughlin McLaughlin to try a shot it's off Gary Bennett and that is the opening goal Alan McLaughlin Irregularities uh, story breaks in the summer of '89, um, and then it all goes crazy a year later. Were the players concerned at this stage? No, it was a, it was a big story because I always remember to this day we were all stood up stairs in the uh, the old rendezvous suite, the, the main lounge. We saw a group of probably about twenty odd people with briefcases coming up, coming up the side of the stand. And I can't remember who did it. It was they did and and the whole and all the lads started singing it loud out the windows. They're walking up. It was hilarious. But you know these were all the inland revenue lot coming mm. in, and we're all interviewed. I was interviewed personally for about six yeah. hours, uh, and they had every bit of information. You know, they asked you something, and you said it, and they went, "Yeah, you're right. That's what we've got as well." But it was it, it was a difficult time. You know, it was a difficult time for the club. But you know, we thought, like you say, you just get a fine, and that was it. We didn't expect to to obviously get what we we did get. Sunderland at Wembley. It's probably one of the most dominant one nil victories from a deflection in the history of finals at Wembley. Yeah. What were your memories of yeah. the season, and of course the final itself? Well, I mean, the season the season was a fantastic season because I, I, you know, at the semi finals against Blackburn as well. You know, I remember probably having two of my best games of the season at, at that as well, and getting to Wembley. You know, Wembley was a fantastic thinking. You, you know, you one step off from getting, you know, getting into into the first division as it was then. I mean that that season just what I can remember of it was 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 a great season you know and we had some you know, we had a good we had the team back together again sort of quite a few months ago and um, it was great to see them all again because you, you know you look at those players and every single one of them we didn't have a weak there wasn't a weak link in the armor you know we, we've got still got the, the the fitness from Lou we're still running on that but we're playing a different type of football and some of the football we were playing was, was, was incredible. And it showed that with, with, with the results and then getting to Wembley. And, and like you say, it was the most one-sided 1-0 game I've ever been involved in. And we won that at a canter, really. And 1-0 was flattered Sunderland, really. When I spoke to Paul Bowden, he mentioned that they were given reassurances that Swindon would go up, whatever the outcome of the punishment for town for the financial regularities would be. Um, but he also mentioned that the Sunderland guys were also said if Swindon were found guilty, they would be going up instead. No, I don't ever remember any reassurances. You know, the, the, all I hear was the, the talk of, you know, if we do get really, you know, Sunderland would go up mm. in our place. And the thing is with the FA, you just never know what was going to happen. You never knew what was going to around the corner. You never got what was happened. So I, I only remember that, you know, we didn't. We didn't exactly know what was going on. We, we weren't told anything until we had the decision made, where we, you know, we were supposed to be relegated for two, you know, two divisions. Which I just couldn't believe that. That was just the worst. I can remember where I was at the time. That was probably the worst thing I'd ever heard. You know, it was it was dreadful, absolutely dreadful. And you know, your your heart sank when you heard. That. Do you feel that we were made an example of? Um, in the hope that bigger clubs wouldn't follow. Of course, some of them yeah. did in the years to follow, but didn't get demoted. We were, we were, we were made a massive scapegoat, massive scapegoat. And, uh, you know, there's, there's so much has gone on before that, so much has gone on after that. I mean, I know, you know, I was told by a certain person, I won't name names, but um, that, that he got more than whatever we, we were done for. He got more in a signing-on fee to go to one club in cash. So he got more, you know, going to a big club, big club, you know, and you go, yeah, thanks. Didn't really want to know that, but but that's the reality of what happens, you know. You just you go, well, we weren't scapegoat, you know. In, in the end, it all came right, but 
you know, at that time, it was, it was awful to, to think, yeah, we've done all that hard work, we've had a fantastic season, and through no fault of our own as players, we were, you know, we were almost, we were down two divisions, which was just unbearable. The following season is like an almighty hangover, but the squad's still yeah. putting some great performances. The 3-0 win over Portsmouth, enter Nesta Lorenzo. What was he like? <laughs> it was just... It was it was like Aussie, really. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like you, you get a player that's you know you go bloody hell, you know someone like that coming to Swindon. But but that was the thing, you know. We were up in the Championship and we were starting to, you know, people coming to the club that, you know, when you look back at it now, someone like you say Aussie Aussie Ardila is coming to Swindon Town. He's a you know World Cup winner. So you know we we were on the up and, and things were good. But you know, and someone like Nesta coming in was um, it was entertaining to say the least. Do you know what I mean? I was, he kept me on my toes. Let's put it that way. How so? Well, no, he's just just you know he was he was he was a great ta- he was a talented footballer, but you never know what he'd do from one day to from one minute to the next. You know, he could do a fantastic pass, and the next minute he could roll under his foot, and and you know you one on one with with a forward. So you were always he was a great player, but he was always liable he could make a mistake. Mm. So he always kept me on my toes. The four 0 Victory at Ashton Gate, probably one of our best away performances of the last couple of decades. Still, absolutely unbelievable performance. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, and it was. Uh, and there's nothing better than going to Ashton Gate and beating them. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there's nothing better than going there and and and, and beating City. Um, and like you say, that was probably one of the best performances that we've uh, had. From a from a Swindon team ever. Aussie departs and in comes Glenn Hoddle, one of England's most talented players of recent times at that moment. Um, so we went from Macari to Ardiles to Hoddle. Yeah. Imagine being in the situation we were in and still being able to appoint Glenn Hoddle was quite a, a coup, really. Oh no, definitely, definitely. No, it was. It was. It was a massive one, and that was you know thanking in a large part to um, to Ken Chapman, who was who was sadly no longer with us, but Ken was the, the chairman at the time, um, and he was was tipped off that Glenn, so he did the deal with the old Chelsea chairman, and Ken did the deal with with him to bring Glenn in. I think. Well played, Hoddle. is a bit of a consolidation season um, I was going through the results you helped Town win a penalty shootout against our old pals at Oxford yep. and I think you take part in two shootouts at Swindon both victorious over your career nowadays when yep. you watch high profile games on TV the goalkeeper coach get these full dossiers out um, about the penalty taking oh, habits yep. of footballers were you winging it back then? Yes <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah, oh, massive, massive. Because the thing was, is half the games were never on yeah. the telly, so you you never know you never know who took actually took the penalties anyway. We never had dossiers on, you know, like someone goes and watches teams. We had certain amount of that, but but nothing like they have today. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Everything's on video. Everything's on. You know, you can sit and analyze everything. You know, as we did, we winged it. You know, you 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 saw the way that someone ran up, and and you just try to analyze that really. You know, you, you hope for the best, and yeah, some of them. If I made a save, probably was a little bit like that. But you just, you just try. You, you relied on your own, your own natural instinct, really. Um, you know, you go the way that you think they're going to put it, and you go that way. You know, it works some days, and some days it didn't. But yeah, it was, um, it was all made up a lot of it. Peter Shilton's tactic was to wait until the ball was struck, which is probably why we didn't get to the World Cup final in 1990 to take on Nesta Renzo. But um, did you at least yeah. just go around and go and left? And if I, if it goes left, then brilliant. Yeah, you just, you, you, you look at it. Um, and it's quite funny. I was involved in a, a TV programme with Matt Letizia and it was, it was Beat the Expert. And uh, I was asked to go on it and um, trying to beat someone like Letiz. But the thing with Letiz is a lot of players in their run-up, the way that they run up, the way that they look, they try and kid you, the way that they look and, and run up and, and the angle of their foot before they strike it. Mm. You can a lot of times half guess it, but with Latiz, he'd he'd be watching up until he struck the ball. If you move slightly to one way, he would change the angle of his foot and put it in the, cor- the other corner. He was he was phenomenal at doing that. I think he missed one. What did he miss, Latiz? One penalty in? In uh, how many? It's almost fifty, uh, wasn't it? It's a lot. Yeah, it was. Even on this TV program, I got near. I got near two of this, but I didn't save them. But it. But it was. 
it was uh, he, he was fantastic at that. But you just got to really just try and guess and, and go. And if you guess right, you, you make the save. Just how good a footballer was Glenn Hoddle? I mean, even when, when he came to us, he was he was his touch, his vision, his you know he used to in training. I, I I got really frustrated because in training you could not read where he was going to put the ball, and that's the difference. You know, there's, there's a lot of forwards that you play against. You know, you can almost read where they're going to put the ball, uh, although some of them probably couldn't even remember where they, they were putting it anyway. But um, someone like Glenn was was such an ability to be able to pick that corners out. You know, and and and, and it was easy for him. You know, and and it was. It was so frustrating because you used to take your time to try and analyse him and, and try and guess where he was going, but you just couldn't do it. It was it was it was too good a player for that. And 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 being able to play when we had the back pass rule, be able to have him as a, as a sweeper and roll the ball to him, get the ball back, roll it again, uh, and the back five that we had at, at Swindon at the time, it, it was a joy to to be able to to watch him play, you know, but you'd roll the ball out to him and then he'd ping it. Paul Bowden would get on his bike and he'd ping it 50 yards and he'd, he'd, he'd find, you know, he'd, he'd find a sixpence on a, you know, from 50 yards. He was he was a phenomenal player and although his tackling wasn't the best sometimes, he used to go two-foot tackling, he wasn't the best and you did worry sometimes when <laughs> someone's coming through. But as a, as a footballer and, and, and he was, you know, he could change things on the pitch as well like he did, you know, tactically... He, he was a he was a he was a good tactician. He knew where, you know, what was happening and what how he how he could change things. And uh, he certainly you know made it a, a joy to be able to play in that team. You feature in thirty three league games in ninety two ninety three and the three playoffs during what was a momentous campaign. But for a small time, you were away at a little club called Manchester United on loan, as you mentioned earlier. What yes. what was that yes. like? So you were just back up for Schmeichel for a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we 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 didn't start the season off great. I didn't have the best of times, and then Glenn blamed me for one of the goals we played Oxford at home. I think we ended up drawing, or we may have lost. I don't know, but I got blamed for that goal, and Glenn decided he was going to drop me. So it was a bit of an awful time for me because that was probably the first time I got dropped in my career. Uh, and Nick came in to play, um, so I spent the week obviously. You know the depth of despair, thinking what's happening to me now. Carried on training, I was doing the thing, and then John Gorman came down the changing rooms. I think it was on a, it was a Tuesday, I think. He come down on a Tuesday and said, "Phrase," he said, "I've got, I've got someone on the phone for you in Glenn's office." Thought, oh God, what's happening here then? And I went down. And he went, "It's Alex Ferguson." I went, "John, I'm not feeling great at the moment. <laughs> mate. don't take this. Excuse my French." And he wasn't. It was Alex Ferguson. And he said, Fraser, he said, it's Alex. I went, oh, hello, Mr. Ferguson. He went, um, I've just had a chat with Glenn and he's okayed it. He said, I'd like you to come on loan to Old Trafford. <laughs> I nearly fell off my seat. <laughs> he said, uh, can you get up to the tra- Cliff Training Ground for uh, training in the morning? I said, I believe start walking now. <laughs> Not a problem. But it was, it, was, it was incredible. I'd gone from, I'd gone home to tell the wife and my family. I went, you're not going to believe this. I've gone from getting dropped at Swindon. All right, we were in the championship at the time. But, well, as a second division as it was then. He said, and then I said, I'm going to Man United. I'm going back there <laughs> for at least a month. I just couldn't believe it. So, I, But the thing was, the funny thing about it, I got, so I drove my car. I think I left about five o'clock next morning to get up to the Cliff Training Ground. I was one of the first there. Went in and... It was though I'd not left, you know. This was this was sort of like five or six years after I'd left as a as a you know, young apprentice, and now I'd you know I was leaving, you know I was going back as a first team player. I'd been in the championship, played several hundred games and England caps, and uh, but to go back there and and you know and then I've gone in the you know the first team changing rooms. Well, I've never been in the first <laughs> team changing room before, so it was like you know, and I'm sat next to Paul Ince and Peter Smichael comes in and. and you know, Brian Robson chose, and like, because Robbo was there when, when I was there as an apprentice, and a lot of the players were there, you know, Mark Hughes, Brian Robson, all those, you know, all those players were there from, from when I was an apprentice, you know, they were still there, and it was, it was just biggest boost to my career I could possibly have had. Brian Robson is, you know, you know, he, he, to me, is the epitome of, of, of a proper English player, you know, he was, he, he is one of the nicest blokes you could ever wish to meet, and he is a fantastic, he was a fantastic player, fantastic servant for Man United, but he was a top bloke as well, you know, and I felt, I, I always felt in awe of them when I was an apprentice, and then I was I was one of them, you know, and they couldn't have made me feel more at home, except we went onto the pitch that morning and it was first team against reserves and we got battered 6-2 
<laughs> and Mark Hughes went, welcome back to the club phrase. I went, yeah. <laughs> was a permanent deal ever on the cards for, for that? Uh, well, I, I, I never spoke to, to Alex about it. He, um, so I had the first month and then he said, phrase, I'd like you to stay for another month. So I did. And then we played. I always remember we played uh, Coventry City at Old Trafford. I think we beat them 5-1 on, on New Year's Day. And then Alex, after the game, came up to me and said, phrase, um, I've had Glenn on the phone. He's He, he wants you back at the club. He said, unfortunately, I could only have you for another month and then, or I'd have had to, to buy you. And, and, you know, I didn't think we're in the position to do that at the moment. Mm. Uh, he said, so I've, I've, I've kind of got to, unfortunately, got to, you know, let you go back. And he said, thank you very, you know, thank you very much for what you've done. I mean, I've still got a letter to this day that Alex wrote when I, when I got back home, thanking me for, you know, said he thanked me and my family for letting me spend time, you know, with them and, and helping them out at Old Trafford. And it's, you know, you look at that now and you go, cool, that is something special, you know, to, to get a letter of someone like that and th- actually thanking you for going there. I said, I'd have done it for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> But it was no, it was, it was great experience, and, and and the fact was, it, it taught me a lot about myself, and I was improved me no end going there, just purely and simply. I mean, I, I had the pleasure of working with Eric Cantona as well, and I did a lot of sessions. I stayed behind after training with with Eric, and you know, he he, I did a lot of training with him, and 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 it was fantastic. It was a great opportunity to go there it, it really helped my game no end well you return to Swindon you see the rest of the season out as number one lots of attacking teams are playing against um, Easter we have that 6-4 at Birmingham you must have dreaded every single attack on that one cool that was that was frightening I mean we had Sean Taylor went off and had a cut done on his head and it was just I mean we were 2-0 down early on and then I think early on in the second half we'd gone I think we were four I would say we we're four one down at one point you know and then that wasn't long into the second half and going really don't need this and then it all of a sudden all changed and, and to win 6-4 it was absolutely incredible and I I, I I keep reminding Mark Cooper I used to remind Mark Cooper of it nearly every day <laughs> I used to go to training when, when I was working with him <laughs> which, which was quite funny because I didn't realise he was playing for Birmingham at the time I think his dad was actually manager as well um, which I, I didn't even remember, but um, yeah, so I used to remember. I remind him that of quite a bit of the six-four. How made it to Wembley? We beat Leicester City in the the Wembley Classic. I've heard the experiences of Paul Bowden, Chris Hammond, and Jamie Pittman. Now Fraser, I'd like yeah. yours. Well, for what the, the Wembley Wem- game, Wembley game, and the aftermath. The, the Wembley game was 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 incredible because you know we were we were three nil up and and you know within. I don't know how many minutes it was, and it was one of those where I can't believe this. We're 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 we're, we're three nil up at Wembley. This is a breeze in the park, and then all of a sudden it's changed. You know, they get back to three all, and you think, oh, have we thrown this away? But there was a there was a mental strength that we had. You know, there was definitely a mental strength we had in in the team, and to then go back and and the way that Paul, you know, Steve White, he'll swear to his dying day that he was fouled, but I, you know, I mean, I don't. Oh no. He keeps telling everybody. I said, "Chalky, just keep saying it, mate. You'll get you. You'll, you'll you know. You believe it one time." But no, he he he, he got fouled, and, and then Paul nerves of steel slotted the penalty away as he'd done at every game. You know, every penalty he had for us, he was cool, calm, and collected, and slotted it away. And I think then we just we just knew it was our, it was our day. You know, but but at the end of the game, that uh, I think the thing for me was the overriding feeling after that game was well. We should have done that. We did that three years ago, you know, and it was one of absolutely delight that we'd won at Wembley and we were going, you know, we we're going up to the Premiership as it was then. But but for me, a lot of it was, well, we deserved to go up three years ago. You know, it wasn't, it took a bit of a shine off it because I felt, well, you know, we should have been doing this three years ago and where would have been, you know, because the one thing that probably, the only one thing that I do regret in football is that, that team, that team of Aussies, never had the opportunity to play at the highest level. I'm not sure whether we, I think we'd have done even better than, than you know, if Glenn had stayed and Colin had stayed and we'd have gone into the Premiership as that team. We had that get-together with Aussie and, you know, and, and you look at it and you think, well, you know, there wasn't a weak link in the armour. And that's the bit that you think, well, maybe we could have done better. Maybe we could have stayed in the Premiership or the first division. Maybe we could have stayed up there, you know, and that's the only thing that, yeah, I do regret. If anything, I regret in football is, is that. Really. It's a good moment and a part, one of the things I love 
about this podcast or love doing about this podcast is um, the people behind the scenes. So the people like John Trollope, Eddie Buckley and Kevin Morris had that moment in the sun as well. Yeah, no, I mean, John, John was, you know, I was, I was, I was devastated when, when McMahon let, let John go. Cause John is, you know, you, you cut John in half and he, and he bleeds Swindon town football club. Do you know what I mean? Even to this day now, you know, he's always back at the games and, and he is Mr. Swindon town, you know, uh, you know, obviously people, you know, with Don and what, what Don Rogers did for the club. But for me, it's people like John. John was a unsung hero, you know, and it's people like him. And then the likes of Eddie Buckley had been around for years. Eddie was the funniest man ever. You know, not 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 the fact that he was funny, just that he was hilarious, Eddie. You know, what I mean, he always used to do something <laughs> wrong and some sayings and that. And and then you got like Kevin Morris, you know, you, you know, he was the only... He was the only uh, physio that, you know, played the spoons, I think. Do you know what I mean? He was, he was, you know, and he always had his pipe in his mouth. And, you know, it's just you look at it now and you think, cool, it's nothing like it used to be. You know, you know, Kevin used to be walking around with a pipe in his mouth playing his spoons. You know, if, if he'd come in as a physio now, they'd, they'd, they'd have a heart attack. Do you know what I mean? It's just nothing like that. But in those days, there was characters, you know. There was characters on the pitch. There was characters off the pitch. And that's what made football special, you know. And that's the bit that kind of miss now you know you, you miss those you miss those personalities you know those are the people that made football what it absolutely. was absolutely at, at the end of that season we have a mini exodus with Colin Calderwood and Dave Mitchell leaving there a chance that you might have left around then no it's no I was never I was never going to leave unless uh, the, the big thing you know with myself personally is that there there may have been a chance that I'd have because I didn't realize that, that obviously Lou had bid a lot of money for me at the time when he moved to, to West Ham. There'd also been some other bids for me uh, in my time at Swindon, even down to that one where um, when Lou was in charge that uh, apparently Real Madrid were looking at me, you know. And I think Lou just, I think Lou, Lou had instigated it just to get the pressure off him at the time. And all he said was, well, there was a bloke with a sombrero in the stand. <laughs> so he said that was probably it. But yeah, I, there was, I've still got the paper clippings and, you know, to be even, to be linked. <laughs> To get all the papers, phone you up, and I was living in a little two-bed terrace house at the time. <laughs> I get a phone call from all the newspapers, Sunday newspapers, saying you need to sit down. You, you, you know, apparently Real Madrid looking at you. <laughs> I went, someone's on a big wind-up here, but, but no, it was, it was, um, you know, it was, it was, it was a great time to be involved with, with football. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a special time. Well done, boys. season is do you look back at it as a frustrating one for you because of the injuries that you had yeah no the, the dislocated shoulder at Sheffield Wednesday was was put paid to my season yeah. really you know it was it was a great experience you know I, I, I you know I even look back at it now and the Liverpool away we drew two all I still I still wish I hadn't cut my fingernails the day before because I probably saved that header from from what you call it. I tried to get two hands on it and you know maybe I should have just gone with a one hand but I'd made, you know, countless amounts of saves, and I think I got man of the match in the paper. You know, as I say, you keep the clippings, and I, you know, one day I'll sit down and probably go through them and think, yeah, you know, it was a special time, you know, and it was a great time, you know. I had some good players at Liverpool at the time, you know, and and we didn't, you know, we they took us apart at, at the county ground early on, but then going to to Anfield and putting on the performance we did and coming away with a two nil result was, was fantastic, you know. Even going to Old Trafford, and you know, I know we lost four-two, but we didn't disgrace ourselves. You know, there were some real good performances. Obviously, we got taken apart on a few, a few which I cared to forget. <laughs> um, but, but then, but I always remind myself that 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 year was the year that Andy Cole scored about forty-eight yeah. goals at, at Newcastle. But I think we're the only club that he didn't score against in in the in the Premier. Well, that was our crime was. We would we just tried too much, didn't we? We didn't. Uh... We were we were a bit, we were a bit naive. If, if the truth be known, you know, Glenn had stayed, and Colin had stayed, and Mitch, and we got a few other players in. You know, I felt sorry for John really because John is John is one of the nicest. John Gorman is one of the nicest men you could ever wish to meet. Um, 
and and he, he you know he gave his heart and soul in, into that season and you know and 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 it just didn't work out you know it was it was but but it but you know we're proud to think well yeah we're Swindon Town and, and we actually you know we played in the Premiership for not only that I mean when you look back at your clippings history will show that you're the goalkeeper that keeps a clean sheet in Town's first ever win in the top flight so. Nothing wrong with that. No, that that's true. But then I keep getting reminded of the hundred yeah. odd goals that were conceded, and mostly, <laughs> mostly it's Kingy keeps reminding me. I did a, did some on the other day, and Kingy went. <laughs> but he always tells a story because I, I told Mike Spearman years ago, and, and it was a bit of a joke, and it's been stuck with me ever since. You know, I said I might have let in all them goals, but I said there was only I, I said I can count on one hand the mistakes that were mine. Mm. I said, and. I, I did it a bit tongue in cheek, but it keeps the people keep reminding me of it over the years, you know. But I, I said anyway. I said it, I said I said I missed half of the season anyway, so there was only sixty of mine. I want to just bypass ninety four, ninety five. It's another bit of a hangover season for Swindon, but one more yeah. team gets relegated than usual, and we're that team. So I think that year four go down from what is, was Division One, now the Championship, and we yeah. finish four from bottom, yeah. and we go down. Absolutely. Yeah awful stuff and of course John Gorman arrives and in comes Steve McMahon was yes. the Coca-Cola Cup was that was that detrimental to Swindon I, I, I don't think it made a difference to be honest Rich no I mean it's you, you know you never went you never you know you wanted to, to, to do well in every game you played in and you wanted to you know you wanted to win matches and it, I don't think it really matters whether you know we played those games or not I think it, it I think it's irrespective really the highlight is probably Jan Fjortoft that season. Obviously, it ends early because he leaves um, on deadline day. But what a player he was. Oh, he was. I just keep saying to him, if you could have start, started scoring a little bit earlier, Jan, we might have been, <laughs> we might have got off that bottom of the league. But no, he, he was a, he was a tremendous player, you know, and he was a he was a great lad to have around the club, you know, him and uh, and then uh, old Luke Nyholt in, in midfield as well, you know, they. they, they the two foreign lads were, you know, worked hard for the team and, and did well for the team. And like you say, Jan, you know, he was always going to do, he was always going to go on to bigger and better things. And uh, But we, you know, we enjoyed the uh, the aeroplane celebrations many a time at the county ground. And, uh, you know, he was, he, was, he was a great lad to have around. The contrast between John Gorman and, and Steve McMahon, like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, there's two different men then. Steve McMahon as a footballer, you know, he, he did everything. He played at Liverpool. Um, John, you know, played at Tottenham and thing like that. But he wasn't as well-known footballer as, as, as Steve yeah. McMahon. But as a man, John is head and shoulders mm-hmm. above. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, you know. There's no hiding yeah. the fact that I didn't, I didn't like the gentleman. I thought he was a bully. Uh, I didn't like what went on at the club. You know, he tried to play me off against Frank Talia. And, and, and that's why I left the club in the end, you know. Sad to say, you know, I had twelve fantastic years there, but it was sour towards the end because of because of him and uh, and and I, I just went times times right to go, you know, and, you know whether that was the right decision or not, I don't know. It, it was the right, it was the right thing to do, I think, and uh, you know, I continued my football um, education with uh, probably one of the the best managers that's ever graced the England game, which was Terry Venable. I learned a hell of a lot in the short time that he was at Palace. 94, 95, yeah. 96, 97, 98. So it was, you were still there a long time. So, I mean, it, it, I think yeah. that's a credit given the circumstance. Regardless, there's two sides to all, every story. I know that. Of course. But the fact that you stick it there shows you how much you love the club because you could leave. You were one of the best goalkeepers in the lower leagues. You would have got a contract somewhere else. No problem at all. Yeah. And you get that, you at least get that medal in 96. You still play 25 odd games, um, sparring yeah, with. That, you're playing alongside I've Shea Given and Frank Talley and Steve Mildenhall. Yeah. So there must have been some happy memories in that year. I know there was. I mean, the fact that we got, you know, second division championship was, was great. And, you know, like you say, I played because. I wasn't going to let him beat me, you know. I mean, he brought in Frank, and he was hoping Frank was going to oust me out of the team. But you know, Frank was never going to be that consistent. So I knew I would get my chance and get back in there. And I've always, I've always been taught you never give up. I'd also got my testimonial to look forward to. That was what I was hoping I could get that testimonial and and, and go from there. Really, it's really weird for me because I'm about twelve in ninety five, ninety six. So I am 
rose tinted glasses Swindon Town maniac at that stage and there were some great games in that I remember the game yeah. against Crew early on and Crew had a hell of a squad Neil Lennon Robbie Savage um, yeah. and a few others oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and the Southampton Cup games the Blackburn Cup games um, winning at Sam Allardyce's Blackpool and then when you read up because it wasn't just you I know that when you read up it's just I almost feel like we were lucky to to manage to get over the line because there were fractions in that side. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a difficult one because there was there was a lot of players that actually got on mm. with him, and there was a lot of stuff. I, I was probably took it more to heart than 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 a lot of people, and I saw him. You know, that's the way that I felt. You know, there's quite a few players that he brought in. You know, that that he was friendly with, and and that, that got on well with him, and you know. You got to respect him for what he did as a player, but you know it was a different kettle of fish, and I, I, I just didn't agree with it, and I didn't enjoy it. But for me, it was about putting on that performance and putting on that shirt every week, and and giving your best for that football club, and, and that's what I've always done, and that's what I believe in. So you know, it might have been me. There might have been one or two others that were a bit disgruntled, but um, there was a lot that did get on all right with him. So you know, I just you know shut up and got on with my job and, and, and did what I needed to do for the football club. <laughs> Kelly is only a couple of yards away, but Digby manages to push it one-handed onto the bar. After Swindon, you play predominantly for Crystal Palace under Terry Venables, as you mentioned, and QPR, just like Dom Rogers, that, that route. Um, did you enjoy yep. your later yep. years away from Swindon? Some bits I did, some bits I didn't. You know, it was great to... to I've got to be honest, it was fantastic to go to... To, to Crystal Palace and work under Terry Venables. You know, he was one of the best managers that England's ever had. You know, he'd got the experience of, of, of managing Barcelona and, you know, he was a fantastic... I learned so much under, under Terry and I've got to be honest, he's one of the, the best from, a, from a, a tactical point of view and he was a great man-manager. You know, he was the only manager that's ever... He, he, he We were playing Swindon at the county ground and... Uh, he brought me into his office and I sat in his office at, at the training ground and um, we went through everything to do with Swindon, what was happening with, with, with the players, with the ground, with, with what everything that was going on. You know, whether he took any bit of notice of what I said or whatever, I don't know. But, you know, it was such, you, you felt, you know, you felt a bit special because he wanted to, he wanted your point of view and he wanted your opinion. And you don't get that very often, you know, you, you, you're told what you do and you, you from about a lot of managers and, and to have someone like Terry Venables say, look, come on, Fraser, I want, I want your opinion. What do you think of this? What do you think of that? Well, I was getting towards the end of my career and I was a bit older, you know, and I got a pretty decent head on my shoulders. So he, he probably, you know, was interested in that. Um, and whether he was or he wasn't, it, it felt good at the time, you know, to be able to, you know, communicate with someone like that, really, on that level. And at QPR, you were uh, there when a young Reese Evans turned up. Yeah, no, Reese. Yeah, Reese came on loan, and uh, yeah, because he was um, obviously Swindon, Swindon lad, and I, I got to know him briefly before I before I left the club. And I, it was it was myself that you know when when Swindon were looking for a goalkeeper, and I knew Reese had left Chelsea. Um, you know, I, I suggested um, they they see if they can get Reese in. And then was it injuries that that put a end to your career were you did you have enough at that stage no qpr at the time were going through financial difficulties i'd, I'd gone there initially they'd signed me from i was at huddersfield getting fit with with lou uh, and they they brought me from from huddersfield i signed a 12 18 month contract and what i signed now originally a 12 month contract because uh, chris hay was the lad that was Chris Hay had broken his, his leg and they got Nick Culkin was on loan from, I think he was on a season-long loan, I think. So they got those two goalkeepers and then they got me as well. Um, I came down to cover for Chris Hay and ended up playing a few games. I think my first game was Notts County at Notts County for, for QPR and I had probably one of my best games ever in my whole career. But it was, it was, it was sort of... Uh, then I'd got another... Then Chris Dave was on his way back. They got Nick for on another year's loan. Case of I'd have been there to, to help those two. Um, but Ian Holloway just said, Fraser, they aren't giving me the money. We lost to a non-league team. I played against a non-league team and we lost. They beat us on penalties at Loftus mm -hmm. Road. Uh, and apparently 
Holly came afterwards and said, well, that's the last chance I've got to keep him Fraser because the board aren't going to give me the money to pay. So I left at the Christmas time. I left January, I think, which is a bizarre time to leave a club anyway, but I only signed a six-month deal. And I was 36 at the time, and, and it was decisions, 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 really, whether I continue playing mm. football or, or I walk away. And I think I've got a young family in Swindon at the time, and I, and I thought my wife at the time had got a, a business, and um, I thought it was probably the right time to, to say goodbye and, and start a new life, you know, in, in doing something else. You've done quite a few bits and pieces, including a return to Swindon. Yeah, no, it's um, I have done quite a lot, a lot of... <laughs> Quite a lot that's been successful. <laughs> Other ones have, yeah, it's been it's been an, an interesting one. It's so difficult when you leave football. You know, we weren't paid the money they're paid today, and it, you've got to work every day to earn a living to keep your family going. You know, and it's it's a different kettle of fish. I've done tried a few different things. I've worked with Ken Chapman, who was the old chairman. We we did the um, sports redevelopment relocations. We were the, the company that did the um, the Wharton Bassett uh, football and and cricket and, and tennis scheme over there but unfortunately there was um there was a crash at the time it didn't work out for you know for the company in the end and, and i left and, and did other things 505 appearances 145 clean sheets 12 full seasons five england under 21 caps five managers four promotions three player of the year awards three divisions two wembley wins Two relegations and a demotion. One washbag, one Fraser Digby. You must, I mean, regardless of what Swindon Town are like now, you must be tremendously proud of that. Oh, no, definitely. You know, it's been, you know, it, it's funny now, you know, I, I stand behind the, the bar at the restaurant and, and you know, people come in and, and they love it because they remember the good times, you know, and it was the 12 years I had at Swindon, you know, one in the Premiership nine in the in the championship as it is today it was a fantastic time to be involved with Swindon Town Football Club you know and it, and it, it you know we, you know we hope in our heart of hearts that we will get back up there again you know whether we will or we won't I don't know you know I've, I've got my little you know my my little bit of the club still helping them with the, with the training ground um you know and I hope to see you know that come to fruition and and you know we can get some you know, young talent to come through and, and we start the cycle again and hopefully, you know, we get on the up again. And that's what you, you hope for, you know. Um, but, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been still connected with the club in some way. It's great. But, you know, it, it was it was an it was an, it was a great time to be there. And, uh, you know, I, lo I loved every minute of it. And uh, even towards the end, you know, it's still it was still a great football club to be to be a part of. And then there was the return of the wash bag with Danny Baker, a, a, a bizarre but quite funny experience for you. Well, do, do you know what? There's, there's probably actually, I, I also have to laugh with someone now because I said there's more written about that on Wikipedia than there is about my football <laughs> career. I'm more known by wash bag than my football career. I've actually still got the wash bag. One day, one day I will put that up for auction and we'll give it to charity. <laughs> but uh, in the meantime, yeah, I mean, it it, it was great. It was, you know, so many people because I was I was at Sports Solutions at the time, which was the redevelopment company, and the MD who who was there was not really interested in football. Didn't really know much about football and my career and all that lot. But he 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 was always in um, construction and and you know he knew some very big players in in the London. You know they worked out obviously in Mayfair and and one of them who he you know he, he'd love to have been in that position and and uh, they phoned him up and they weren't talking about doing any construction all they were interested in Fraser Digby's washbag <laughs> and he couldn't believe it he said what's all this about them Fraser and he said well you've got to, you've got to do something he said we've got to do something and, and that's when obviously I, I sent an email into his uh, production people and said you know if, if Danny wants to do a duet more than happy but I'll probably clear the studio and you probably a load of listeners and they wrote back and that's obviously when I went on and, and, and did that bit and uh, made the biggest fool of myself ever in my whole life but I know we do these things sometimes only two players in the history of Southern Town have played more games than you and there's only one goalkeeper that you could probably argue takes the number one shirt in the all-time team not for me though number one is always Fraser Digby thank you very much no problem at all Rich thanks for it the, 
Below Strangers is an independent Swindon Town fan podcast. The music was expertly created by Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by the super talented John Daglish. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs, like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant, like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.